Yeah, I think that's an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Now we just have to stop and think where I'm going, yeah? Yeah. Mm. You can tell me when you're ready to start. Well, we have to get out on the road first. Yeah. yeah. Knocked that off, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's all right, yeah. Yeah. All right, would you like to begin? Yeah, sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, Papa, welcome to the podcast. Um, you are our oldest ever guest uh, at <laughs> 88 years young, is that correct? Yeah, um, at the moment, anyway. At yeah. the moment, yeah. Um, your birthday is right, September 10th, 1933. Yeah, that's it. Ninth, the 9th of September, yeah. 9th of September, okay, perfect. Yeah, Anand was the 10th of September. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Um, all right, so yeah, I guess you want to explain where we are, what we're doing, where we're going, and why it kind of represents, why it's a good way to do it for your podcast. Well, uh, we're in the car and uh, we're driving out to Powerscourt. Yeah. And uh, we just felt that that was a, a place that we spent a lot of time in. And we know well it would be a nice place to be, you know. So that's, that's where we are at the moment. And uh, I'm going to try and give you any information <laughs> that I can that's in my head, which is probably about... Perfect. 20% of what there should be, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the way we'll do it is we'll do a half an hour drive, then stop for a scone and hot chocolate in the Paris Court Cafe, pause the recording, and then redo it once we enter the gardens of Paris Court. So, Papa, for you, I have... We have 34 questions, and then you can ask me one as well at the end. Um, but we're going to start the same way everyone starts on this podcast. Uh, which is, we start off by you telling us a joke, if you have one ready. Well, I was trying to think of, of a funny instance rather, rather than a verbal joke. And uh, the one that kind of sticks in my mind a lot is the time we were in the zoo and I bought you this big cone ice cream. And uh, there was a, one of these kids' trains running by and you wanted to go on that. So I said, oh, that's lovely, off you go. But then you said to me, mind my ice cream. But the train took longer than we expected. And uh, by the time you arrived back, the whole cone had melted onto the ground. And uh, you lost it completely. You went, you, you went absolutely haywire. <laughs> Screamed and shouted and oh, all so the sorry. rest. And uh, anyway, you're pacified when we, we, we managed to buy another one. You know? <laughs> But that, that kind of sticks with me, particularly in relation to yourself, because you you were given to a lot of temperamental stuff at that time, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> which was very enjoyable in one way. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was that's my recollection. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Me standing there with the cone, hoping the train had come, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. And so the next one is we get a background story, a background of your, the history of your life. So. For someone who wouldn't know you, um, how would you, 
what, would you just give us a, a brief, or you know, take as long as you want, but a history of your life, including everything you think is a significant moment in your life, um, and then mention at what point we meet for the first time in your life. Um, and yeah, spend some time on this question, give the listeners a feel for your life story so far, where you've come from, where you've been, and how you got here. Yeah, well, I was born in Dublin, uh, up in Beaumont, near where the Beaumont Hospital is now. And uh, like a lot of people at that time, my parents had, uh, they were, they were Dubliners. My mother had come from the west of Ireland and my father had come from the Midlands. He was working in the civil service and she was a teacher. So they got married and went to live in Beaumont and... That's where I was born. That was in 1933. And um, we lived there until about 1945. And we moved on then to Clontarf. And uh, I stayed there until... Uh, well, I went to boarding school in Rossgrave for four years. But I stayed in, in Clontarf until after I started to work. And uh, then when, before I got married... I moved out to the south side and ended up where we are now, or near where we are now in Ardalee. So that was the kind of the, the way my life evolved. And uh, Anne, Anne um, was from Clontarf as well. She, she only lived about a mile from where we were. So I, that's how I met her, actually, you know. But uh, we got married in 1962 and... Um, uh, the first child, Michael, was born in 1963, and it kind of went on from that. So uh, your mum was born probably about 1965, maybe, you know? Yeah. And uh, I suppose I got to know you then probably about... 1970 or something. When were you born? Me. What? 1997. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I know. I'm, yeah, I'm mixing it up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your mum was married as well. I was trying yeah. to say, yeah, yeah. And uh, so she she must have been married about uh, ninety three or sometime like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. probably. Yeah. So um, I'd be. Um, this year, I think I'd be 60 years married. Yeah, yeah. in May, I think. Yeah, well, whatever. Or didn't you get married and it was snowing on your wedding day? Yeah, it was in March, actually. In it was March. in March, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, of course, uh, Eamon de Valera was, was the principal guest. He, he was the president of Ireland. Really? Wow. He was, he was the principal guest at the wedding. And we had the reception in, in the Gresham Hotel in O'Connell Street, which was... Yeah probably the, one of the leading hotels in Ireland at that stage, you know. So it was a big day for me now, a bit, a bit overawing, uh, but yeah. we survived it, we survived it. But it, it snowed the day we, we got married, all right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we went off, and I drove off that night after the reception. I drove down, went down to Killarney for, to start the honeymoon down in Killarney. And uh, we were featured it in the Sunday Independent and the following morning a big photograph was on the front page you know yeah yeah so there were some of the incidents 
Well, I suppose the other, the other significant thing is, is that uh, I, um, when I came back from school, I went, I went off and studied engineering in, in, in UCD, and uh, then I, once I qualified, uh, after a short while, I went to work in the ESB, and yeah. I started my career there. So they'd be some of the, some of the kind of key points in my life and uh, so on and so forth, you know? Yeah. yeah. And here we are. Um, mm. So the third, so in the beginning, we're just trying to get a picture of you for maybe some of the listeners haven't, haven't heard you or, or want to get to know a deeper level of Papa. Um, so number three is which fictional character would you say you're most like or most represents you? Um, yeah, well, I, I thought initially maybe Scrooge. Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I, uh, I'll reserve my position on that if you don't mind. Okay, yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, and what about a spirit animal or an animal that you think best represents you and your favourite animal, maybe? Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, I thought about that one, and uh, a horse, I think. A horse? Yeah, I, I like horses, and I like the temperament of horses. And, yeah. You know, I, th I think they're they're hard triers, and, uh, you know, they're, they're nice animals, you know, yeah. so... I'd be happy if it was a horse oh, ra okay. rather than an alligator now or something yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. I would have thought you would have said elephants. I don't know why. But... No, elephant uh, to me is, is somebody that's very cerebral and uh, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, you know, a, a, a very large man might classify himself as an elephant, but, yeah. but uh, you'd want to be about 20 stone, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what about your favourite movie? Uh, it's a kind of a tricky one, but I, I think one of the ones that sticks in my mind a lot is On the Waterfront with Marilyn Brando. Yeah. I always, I always, that always registers very strongly with me for a lot of reasons. And uh, so it's the kind of spontaneous answer. You know? There'll be mm. some other Swedish movies and things that I might have a higher regard for. Swedish but, movies? Yeah, yeah, well, Berg, Bergman's movies. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, that type of movie, you know. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so the other, the other one too that uh, I liked a lot and I still like was Gone with the Wind. Yeah. You know, in kind of lifetime terms. Yeah. They're the ones that I probably would have captured my attention most. You know. And what about them? What about on the waterfront? Is uh, speaks to you or? Well, I, I think it's it's the business uh, about justice and corruption. Yeah. And then, of course, the boxing comes into it, and then yeah. Brando was at his peak at that stage, and uh, it was a, it was a, one of these movies that really sucks you in, yeah. and you take sides in it, you know. So that element in it, but uh, but anyway, it's, it's the one that 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 uh, hops out first when I yeah. one that maybe in Gone with the Wind, you know. They're all kind of epics, you know. And what about your favourite song? Uh, I think um, Louis Armstrong singing Blueberry Hill. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like the emotion of it. And then, of course, uh, he was doing what? E. That Piaf. Oh, yes. It was in her. So, her songs on balance, I probably liked the most. Yeah. But I thought that particular one, that I thought his version of it was, was, was very good, you know? Very good. Yeah. And your favorite book? 
I think in a sense I'd have to say Ulysses, James Joyce's Ulysses. Oh, wow, yeah. And uh, it's the book that's a favourite in the sense I, I, I have the highest regard for it. I think it transformed yeah. English literature completely and it's, it's the most fascinating book. You could spend your whole life reading it if you wanted to. You know? Is it, it takes place over just three days, is that right? Or just well, one, one day, day one 24 day. hours, yeah, yeah. One day, yeah. And of course... Uh, it's based in uh, essentially in, yeah. du in Dublin, you see, in Eckert Street. Now, as it happens, uh, by coincidence, I was actually up in Eckert Street today meeting really? meeting somebody. Yeah, pure coincidence. Yeah. And it must have been very near where Bloom lived there in Eckert Street. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's a coincidence. Yeah. And what about your favorite? Lastly, what about your favorite meal? Uh, it could be restaurants, home cooked, uh, many time in history as well. Um, uh, I I I, th I think my what I what I say about a, a favourite meal is is it's more uh, rather than the food. I mean, you could pick out meals where you said the food was was you know superb and I remember yeah. and all the rest. But no, it's, it's much more. I think a meal is much more about the occasion and the people you were with. Yeah. And for example, now. When we were down in, in Carton House last year, yeah. I thought the I thought the dinner we had the second night where we were all sitting around together. We had the shots. <laughs> yeah, we had the shots. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me now was rate highly as yeah. as a kind of a great meal occasion, you know. So, yeah, so that one would be as good as any, you know. Yeah. I mean, there'd be some of the Christmas ones too where we, we yeah. were all together, or various sure. other ones like that, you know. But it's it's more, it's more about the company and and the occasion, you know? Well said. Now, this is another one we ask everyone. So imagine you had a time machine and you could go back in time to meeting your 18-year-old self on the day you turned 18. So we're then September 9th, uh, 1951, I think. Um, what piece of advice would you give them? If you could just give them a sentence or two of an advice, what would you give to your 18-year-old self? Well, uh, I, I might say be a bit more self-confident. Oh yeah. And um, try and overcome your social inhibitions. Yeah. And um, you know, generally uh, workers as relationships and trying to get on well with people. You know. So. Yeah. Why were but, you? But some of that is retrospective. You know? Yeah. Why were you quite shy at 18? Or? Oh, yeah, extremely, yeah, extremely, oh, yeah. 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 Well, be, you see, being in a boys' boarding school yeah. is a bad lead up to... When you move up to the university and you're mixing with girls and things, yeah. all of that, you're not, you're not equipped for it, you know, socially. and Plus the fact that then there, I was, not superficially, but I was actually very, very shy, you know. Yeah. And um, so... But I mean, it's only advice in the sense that I don't think you can change those things, you know. But yeah. So it's more, it's more a wish than a, than advice. Uh, uh. And normally we ask then, in ten years from now, so you're a 98 year old version of you. Um, if they could come back and give you a piece of advice now, what do you think they would tell you? If, who could come back? So if you, from ten years in the future gives you a piece of advice today 
So what do you think 98-year-old Papa would be telling 88-year-old Papa if they could give a piece of advice? Well, I think it's purely hypothetical because I mean, yeah. I'm sure he'll be dead by the time I'm 98. <laughs> yeah. I've no, Maybe, doubt, I mean, no doubt about that, you probably, know. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, funny enough, there was a good friend of mine uh, died there recently and a uh, guy I worked with a lot and I think he was heading towards 98, you know. Yeah. And uh, he, he, I remember t he was t I talked to his son I just rang up to see how he was. I knew he wasn't well, you know. Yeah. And I rang up the son and uh, I said to him, ah, he said, sure. You know, he, he's passed. He's, and he said, well, I remember what he said was, you think he'd let it go now and just pack it in, you know. Yeah. That was, that was his reaction, you know. And uh, you see, I, I think a lot of people at a certain stage die because they're tired of living, you know. Yeah. And they just kind of want to die, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, maybe the 98-year-old, if, if he did exist, yeah. he'd say, uh, if you're able, make the best of it, but yeah. the odds are against you. What do you remember about your parents and your grandparents? Well, I, I remember uh, my parents uh, very, very clearly. And I remember I had four grandparents. Yeah. And um, one of them I don't remember. That was uh, my. F I remember her all right, but only in a very vague sense because she was the first to die. She lived down in Ballinakill. But then I remember his father, Thomas was his name, living down there. I remember him well, you know. I can remember yeah. him as a person, and I kind of I see him as a, I would see him as a very old man, and he used to spend most of the time sitting beside the fire. But, but I can recollect them, you know. And um, then the two parents from the west of Ireland, again, uh, the father, I met him a couple of times, but uh, he died, uh, you know, in about 19, something like 1943 or something. Yeah. He had moved to Dublin. And I just kind of knew him in a very general sense. But uh, the mother lived until about uh, 1960 and she lived in our house in Clontarf for a lot of that time yeah so I remember her very clearly so there's one on each side that I can remember them as persons and personalities and a couple of the others I'd, I'd only have a vague recollection or impression you know but, but my, my parents are that generation see the reason part of it is that they all kind of survived a lot you know there's not many people that have parents that lived it maybe into the 90s, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Rosanna and myself, both of my parents went around the 90, and both of her parents went around 90 or over 90, you know? Yeah. So there was plenty of time to know them, you know? Uh, good genetics. Huh? That's some good genetics. Well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't follow. I mean, it doesn't follow. Yeah. Yeah. See, you, you look at, you look at Anne's family now, you'd say the genes were very good, but all five of them are dead. That's you know? true. Every one of them. And Anne was the last of the five to die. Oh, no, Martin, I think, was the last of the five to die. But, I mean, the sister died quite young, and Joan died, I think she was only maybe the late 50s. And the brother died, he was probably early 60s, you know? Yeah. So, so the gene there didn't, didn't, not, didn't yeah. do the trick, you know? Yeah. 
Okay, question 11. When is the last time you cried? Um, well, I, that's, a, that's a tricky one. I, 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 don't, I don't tend to cry. Yeah. And, but uh, I remember before Anne died, uh, you know, I was trying to tell people that she was on the way out and all the rest. And yeah. I found that difficult now to do it without kind of breaking down, you know. Crying to me is kind of breaking down, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I think crying in a lot of cases, it can be one or two things. It can be pure sadness. Yeah. No, I don't tend to cry that way. And, uh, but it can also be shock. Yeah. You can sometimes burst into tears, literally burst into tears from shock. And I, I remember I got word my, my mother had died uh, when I was at work, I was just about leaving work, yeah. and uh, I kind of got to the car. But uh, but uh, once I got to the car, I just kind of broke down completely, you know. Really? Yeah. But, uh, How old were but you? But the then? more recent. Well, um, oh Jesus, <laughs> all these hard questions. Um, I suppose I was I was probably about sixty-four or five, something yeah. like that. You know, heading that way. But I'd say before Anne died, now was, yeah. was the last time I kind of cried emotionally, you know? Yeah. 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 So, mm. so you were born? Well, there might have been other incidents, but yeah, but they don't jump out, you know? Mm. No, that's a good answer. I'm a kind of a bit of the stiff strong upper man, lip. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you think you're a strong man, but you're not, of course. So you were born in 1933. In yeah. your lifetime, what would you say has been the biggest news story uh, or the biggest event? Well, I, I think in my lifetime, the biggest event was was the Second World War. Yeah. You know, and which went on, of course, as you know, for six years and uh, turned the world upside down. And it was a huge global war. And it has all sorts of consequences because I can remember living through it yeah. and all the difficulties of it. So uh, that's uh, that's the biggest event. The other event that's, that sticks in my mind uh, it's more an incident than an event was when uh, Jack Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. President Jack Kennedy. That that day always kind of sticks in my mind, particularly, you know. Yeah. So big event, World War for me, the World War. And, uh, and what was it like living through the World War? Do you remember much of it? Oh, it was very, very, very difficult altogether. Oh, yeah? Terrible, yeah. Terrible. Because Ireland, I guess, was neutral in it. So. Well, it was uh, nominally neutral, but yeah. it, was, it was very pro. The British side, it was yeah. anti-German, you know. And uh, But, uh, no, there was terrible hardship there in terms of trying to get any food. I mean, yeah. we didn't see any, any uh, imported. Never saw an, an orange or a banana now. Yeah. Until about 1945, you know, yeah. as an example, and um, people were uh, people in Ireland, were, you know, they're very poor. Then we were all very poor. We didn't, we didn't have any money, and we had a very kind of a basic way of living. You know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, hardship, but uh, and then you see during the World War, there was no street lights. Everything was dark at night. You know. Yeah. And you couldn't, you'd have to keep your blinds pulled all the time. And it was, you know, it was just kind of living in, in, in living, yeah. yeah. It was kind of living in a cave, in a sense, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, 
I'm curious, do you know how, because um, when we're taught about the World War II now, you know, the big thing of that was the Holocaust, but I suppose... Well, that was, you see, that was totally unknown. Yeah, exactly. Until you remember, after the war. Do you remember yeah. how the news broke, or do you remember when you first heard that this, this horrible thing had been going on? Or I'd say that it's only started to emerge about two years after the war finished. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- oh, I think wow. it took as long as that before start, people started to really understand it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it broke as a news item, probably in, uh, within a few months of the war finishing, yeah. you know? But it, it didn't really kind of... People didn't really understand it until... For, it took quite a while for them to, to really understand it. Yeah. How, 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 what a major atrocity it was, you know. Yeah. See, there's a lot. There's a lot of parallels between kind of Putin and Hitler. Yeah, you think I mean, so? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Hitler did did horrific things, and that probably was the, maybe the worst of them. But uh, yeah. But he, he had his his image was he was he working his image the whole time. So yeah. <laughs> he had a lot of support from from the German people, you know. And. Of course, they didn't know what was happening in that sense, you know. Yeah. But, um, but there was an awful lot of parallels. Uh, both, uh, you know, evil, yeah. vicious people, you know. So, question 13. How has your view on the church and religion changed over the last 50 years, if, if at all? Well, uh, I would say... Maybe it's, more than 50 years. But well, whatever it is, I'd say it's changed totally, you know. Oh, yeah? And... Um, I uh, see the, the the thing about the the church in Ireland back then. This was in Dublin. There was a famous Archbishop called uh, McQuaid, Archbishop McQuaid, yeah. and he had more political influence than the than the Prime Minister. Yeah. You know? And he could dictate what sort of legislation. He had enormous power, and the parallel is very clear with the Muslim countries. Yeah. You know, if you went into a Muslim country, a lot of them now, where they're still traditional, and you see the power of the mullahs, and you see the way the people are all kind of mentally enslaved. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're absolutely, their lives are totally controlled in terms of what they eat and how they pray and how many times a day they pray and what they can do and what they can't do, you know. I mean, all their behaviour is, is determined. Now, that, that's what Catholic Ireland was about uh, when I was growing up, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, the church was all-powerful, literally all-powerful, you know? And uh, that only changed, it gradually changed. I mean, they took, they t- you know, they started to take positions on things like uh, birth control and that type of stuff that were clearly ridiculous. So that was the first major move away. Mm. People moved away from that. They said, I'm not buying this anymore. And then, of course, um, when the various scandals broke out, for most people, that, that was a kind of a last straw, you know? Yeah. So the whole view of the church from thinking it was the whole centre of your life and it was absolutely vital and you should believe 100% of it, you know, people have changed totally in that sense, and, and most people have changed. Most people have just abandoned it, mm. but uh, even people that kind of stay with it uh, see it see it very differently, and they say they, they can see that there's good elements in it. But uh, my overall 
view is that I, I kind of moved from thinking that it was a, an agency of the divine to, yeah. th to thinking it was a kind of a political organisation. Yeah. You know, so that's, if you like, that's a, that's a total transformation almost, you know. And what about, and, uh, I mean, I suppose like on a personal level, if you, did you believe in God and, and now you don't, or you always have, or you never did? Well, uh, for the first, I suppose 40, minimum of 40 years of my life, I, I believed implicitly in it, yeah? Yeah. And of the divine and all the rest. But then uh, that started to change a lot too, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I began to see some of the, the theology and stuff as fairy tales, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but no, no, we were, we were extremely religious in, in those early days, you know, extremely religious. Though. My mother particularly, and my father, but everybody tended to be then, you know? And uh, so, but that's, uh, that's uh, as you know, very different now. Yeah. Right. And next question, who has influenced you the most in your life? Well, I, I couldn't, I really, I was thinking about that and uh, I couldn't really say no, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any uh, individual, I, I think it's kind of a number of people that uh, give certain types of example, you know. Yeah. But there's a, there'll be a range of people, you know. There's no nobody that uh, would just jump out at me as, as exclusively influential, you know. Yeah. Um, what about any heroes or any any idols or role models you look up to or have looked up to in the past? Well, there's a, I suppose at the political level, I, I, I think two people that uh, there's two or three people I admired a lot. Michael Collins is one. Yeah. And uh, Arthur Griffith was another, and uh, Cosgrave, the first Irish Prime Minister, uh, he, he'd be another example. Uh, they're people that I admire and, and look up to, and uh, so. And then I think I think Jack Kennedy was the guy, was the guy that, in many ways, I, I looked up to him a lot, and yeah, you know, so. He was kind of inspirational type of figure, you know. So, and what kind of their examples? What yeah. kind of qualities? Because you, you've, yeah, you just named four people in the political political sphere. Well, I, I think people, uh, generally speaking, people that are very dedicated to to um, improving society and yeah. sacrifice a lot of their own lives to do it. You know, they're idealistic, and uh, they're also. There's no, there's no kind of hypocrisy about them, or there's no kind of criminality associated with them. You know, yeah. they're kind of genuine people. They're, they come down on the, on the side of of doing the right thing as opposed to doing something that's right for yourself. You know, mm -hmm. so those type of people. You know? Yeah. So when you look at your how your children have turned out, how is that different from what you? may have expected or hoped for, and what has surprised you? Well, uh, I wouldn't have expected anything. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to take the view that, that uh, you know, people evolve yeah. in their own way, and uh, I, never, I never consciously try to 
influence any of them to to uh, be particular types of people, you know. And uh, I think the only only thing is that uh, you know I like I liked the idea that that they they have some kind of principles that they worked with and uh, that you know they, they were genuine sort of people uh, you know but I mean if they weren't that's the way it was you know and uh, I mean my view is that to make a, a tuppence difference for what I wanted mm-hmm. uh, they for combination of reasons were going to turn out in a particular way and nothing yeah. I could do about it you know so that, that was my thing but uh, so it was there a bit of a question of have the, was there some suggestion of disappointment or something? No. Well, my mom sent that question in, so I don't know. It's a, it's she was. She, my mom sent that one that question in. Uh, yeah. And what do you I say? Mean, any gen- any gen- surprises? Or? Well, you know, I'm very happy with with the three girls, and uh, but. Um, you know, Michael has, has has had a lot of problems, but I think unfortunately they were something that were beyond his control. You know, yeah. and uh, there was some 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 genetic element or something came through. You know, so I, I feel he's had a tough life, and uh, that he's had a difficult life. You know, mm. so and uh, I mean, I find that disappointing in the sense that he wouldn't want anybody. Anybody mind this fella? To, you know, have have a difficult life. So yeah. But um, but that's the way. Mm. Question sixteen: How did you meet Mama? Did you tell me once it was at a party or? Yeah, there was, was a party that? in our house and. Yeah. Uh, she, oh here, get out. Definitely, the bike has put me off there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah a party at your house. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the first time I actually met her, you know. Yeah. And uh, my my sister went to the same school, and then she lived down at Clontarf. Yeah. And uh, I think the girls were having a party, and I came along too. Was, uh, I was working at the time, but I came back later in the evening, and uh, I happened to be nearer and just talked to her a little bit you know but, uh, but I was very taken with her you know just out of the blue yeah you know? well, I can remember side, I think though. I told people this I can remember it clearly she was sitting with her back to a piano yeah and uh, I had a few drinks on at the time I might add <laughs> and uh, I said to her you know um, I said it's the first time I met her really you know I said I said I'm going to marry you you know <laughs> and everybody thought it was Ridiculous, you know, including her, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I've, I've had a, a capacity to, to, to see things into the future, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm good as kind of, anti- not necessarily good, but I, I have a trait that I can anticipate things that are likely to happen, you know, or oh, I have yeah. a sense of them, you know. And I mean, when I saw her and just looked at her and listened to her for no length of time, you know. Yeah. I just saw all of a sudden it kind of clicked, you know, that this really now is, is the woman that I want to marry or live with. Now, it wouldn't have been that reflective, Yeah. but uh, that, it happened that quickly, you know, and 
I think I, I was telling that story before. You might have been there. And it said it took her about a year yeah. to come to that view as a possibility. But, I mean, it hit me kind of instantaneously, you know? Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah so you just put in a, a shift for a year to impress her, I guess. Or... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But you know, this, you know this uh, phrase, "love at first sight." Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in a sense, that was an example of it. You know. Yeah. 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 And I believe that, that can happen too. You know, I think you just see somebody and talk to them, and you're enamoured. You know. Yeah. You know, sometimes it only lasts a week or two. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially in modern terms. Yeah. And you say you have this uh, kind of ability to anticipate the future in a, in a certain sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good. Uh, I, I, I have a natural ability to... to I'm a kind of a, a good visionary in, in, yeah. in a sense. You know, I have good vision, whether in business terms or in political terms oh, or yeah? personal terms. Yeah. So what kind of visions do you see coming in the near future or in the future in general? Uh, I will. Uh, that's that, that's too big a question to, t to take okay. on the run because there's all sorts of aspects to it, and uh, yeah. you just. I mean, by definition, you have to stop and think a bit about things like that, you know. Yeah. And well, I mean, what I see in the immediate term, it doesn't take any vision. I see those economies are heading into terrible trouble, you know. Yeah. And I think there's going to be an awful lot of social disruption and unrest as a result of that, you know, and. And uh, so, but that, that that doesn't take any unusual vision at all, you know. Okay. But uh, but at the same time, you, you need to understand it. Right? Can we break now? Because I yeah. have to park this okay, car. Okay, so yeah. we've arrived at Powers Court. So we're yeah. going to go in for a hot chocolate and a scone. I think they're leaving. Maybe uh, the Volvo. Uh, if I flick around, I normally when I come around the corner, uh, I get something, you know. Yeah. So we'll take a pause now. Yeah. And then we'll re restart in the, when we reach the gardens. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Are we switched on? Yeah, we are. Yeah. All right, okay. Welcome back, everyone. Do you want to say where we are? Well, we're in Powers Court looking out over the beautiful garden. Oh, here, so I get a photo yeah. of you for the, yeah. the cover. Number three in the yeah, world. Let's go, let's go here. Yeah. Number three in the world. Yeah, oh. gardens. Yeah, it's the, number, the third highest rated garden in the whole world. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All um, no, right. Yeah, we can get us off. With a mask and everything, yeah? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah, right. All right, which way would you want to you go? go down to the, the garden down there, beautiful tulips down here. Okay, yeah. so when we left, we were speaking about Mama and how you had love at first sight. So how would you describe her and her life to someone who didn't know her? Well... Extremely honest and um, very highly principled person, and uh, you know, friendly and, and warm, 
and uh, but very intelligent too, and um, you know she's very she, very good science brain, mm -hmm. and um, she was um, very good at relationships. Uh, with, with all sorts of generations, but I thought she was remarkably good with children, you know. Yeah. She, she's a great ability to to keep children happy, you know. So, um, and then, then, of course, she was a great sportswoman. Mm. She was quite, quite, quite outstanding in that sense. And she achieved an awful lot, but she, she was very modest about it. You know, she didn't see it in, the, in those terms. And then she was very conscious of her family background, and the huge role that her, her family had played in the whole development of the Irish state, you know. Yeah. And she was very interested in the historical dimensions. Because so, that role was, so her father was the... Well, he was sec of... secretary to the Irish government and he played a big part in writing the new Irish constitution. Ah. And then he was governor of the Central Bank. But his brother was equally... Uh, Important, the, you know, the, when the new Irish government was formed in, in whatever it was, uh, the 1920s, 1930s, but he he would have been relatively very young, mm. and his brother would have been very young, but they got very senior positions, yeah, because it was a totally new regime, you know, so he had a lot of responsibility from the start. So she came, you know, her family background is very very impressive, you know, very impressive. <coughs> And so, <laughs> so do you, wait, do you want your mask on or no? No, I don't want it on, no. <laughs> um, I wasn't thinking about it. So... No, so when you're talking to me now, be sure to look at the tulips. That yeah. they, they plant it on this border here. We're in the border in Powers Court, the beautiful uh, wild garden border. But they planted 15,000 tulip bulbs this year. Jeez. And they planted 15,000 last year. So... They have a crop here now of thousands and thousands of tulips that are oh, just, just starting here, to blossom. Right? Yeah, you see them here now. There's, that's an example, you know. Yeah. And they planted them in circles. So you see the big circles of them coming up everywhere, yeah, you know. Yeah. And there's also beautiful colours, of course. It's probably one of the best displays of tulips you'd see in the world, you know. And yeah. they're just starting to come into into blossom now, you know. So as you can see, it's, it's a very colourful border looking down along wow, it. Look at the it's absolutely fabulous. Yeah, the there's massive. the bumblebee there sitting on, on the stem, yeah. Um, so you just described many qualities about Mama, but I'm wondering what's your, what was your favourite or what's one of the ones you think people could learn most from? Uh, I don't think there's any particular one. It's a, it's a total personality thing. It's, it's rather the, the, than one particular attribute, you know. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I suppose uh, the, the fact uh, that she, she was very highly principled, I think, was the thing. And there was no kind of deviation from that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So she... She'd keep you on the straight and narrow because yeah. she wouldn't leave it herself. So you were expected to. If you went outside it, uh, she wouldn't be too happy about it, you know. Yeah. So, so all of that was kind of. But I, I'd say that's, that's a very important characteristic, you know. So, okay, next question. 
if you could go back to any age in your life, um, what age would you choose and why? I think I'd go back to my 30s. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was, felt late 30s particularly. You know, I was probably enjoyed life most at that stage and was probably most effective. Mm -hmm. You know, you're very energetic at that stage. And I had a lot of responsibility when I was, you know, relatively young and... Um, and I liked it a lot, you know, I liked yeah. the excitement of it. We can walk around this way here, it's yeah, yeah. quieter. And um, so some, something around that. And then the family are kind of starting to grow and it's interesting. And you have, to, you have an awful lot of energy to do different things. And I was a very energetic person, you know. Yeah. Looking back at it now, at huge levels of energy. But um, so, so that would be my kind of favourite. Mm -hmm. time you know around, around that yeah then I was starting in the international business which was very absorbing you know yeah yeah late 30s early 40s you know and the main reasons growing the family lots of energy and new international business yeah and, and a lot of responsibility and, yeah. and a lot, a, you know a very interesting life very challenging you know yeah so uh, all of those factors you know? is it one of those things where it's looking back like at the time did you enjoy it as much or is it looking back well uh, yeah appreciate it more yeah. well you, you asked me about looking back yeah that's true okay. so uh but uh, at the time you weren't that kind of conscious of it now but yeah you see most things are comparative yeah so if you, if you kind of look back at it now and just say in energy terms i probably had 10 times more energy then than yeah. i have now you know yeah yeah so that's that's an example of it, and uh, all sorts of other things. You know, you, the range of activities you could undertake. You know, yeah. all that type of stuff. You know, and uh, I mean, in those days now, I, I would have thought nothing of playing thirty-six holes of golf yeah. in a day, carrying a bag, by the way, on my shoulder. Yeah. Whereas now. If I did nine holes in a buggy, I think I'd be doing pretty well, yeah. you know. <laughs> so you can have your choice there. And what do you think happens after you die? Do you believe in an afterlife or Well, my... Uh, these are complex questions, and what you believe in, what you feel, or yeah. mightn't be the same thing. But uh, my general attitude is, is uh, it's like the ad for one of the shops. When it's gone, it's gone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's my kind of feeling that when you're gone, you're gone. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, at the same time, there's such remarkable things about the universe and not only the universe, but the human body, for example, yeah. and the human mind. That uh, You'd kind of stop and think about, is this just random evolution? Or is there more to it, you know? Yeah. So the jury is out to be yeah, my out. own view, but but uh, I wouldn't have any simple expectation. Yeah. But uh, as I said, as far as life is concerned, when you're gone, you're gone, you know? Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll turn back here because it's quieter along here. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's um, nice here too. See all the apple trees up against the wall of the garden, isn't it beautiful? Oh, yeah. And then you have the big high evergreen trees. Take a you know, there's tremendous trees in, in this estate. I love this estate because, of course, I love trees, you know. 
Yes, yeah. I remember your favourite tree and your favourite bench in the yeah. world. Yeah, the big tree down there is the tallest in Ireland. And, oh, yeah, yeah, some of the... But it's in South Africa. That's, remember we went oh, to, yes, yeah. the camphor trees there yeah. Yeah, in Vergelegen. Yeah. yeah, where we had lunch and then you said yeah. this is your yeah. favourite Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, you know, things in life that, that I really enjoyed, I would say trees would feature. Yeah. <laughs> feature highly in it. I love trees. Yeah. I always and, find uh, it just crazy how, mm. you know... I mean, this tree was probably planted. That's about 170 years old. That. Yeah. So the one on the your left. Your grandpa or your great grandpa was even born. Oh yeah, but that one on the left now is is uh, that was the one Princess Alexander was over here with King Edward at the time. Yeah. And that tree was planted, and that's about 100 110 years now. Wow. But the one on the right of it is, is the big trees were mainly planted about 170 years ago. You yeah. know. So, but they're beautiful looking things. And uh, yeah, and of course you have all these, uh, you know, the famous trees you have out in the west coast of America, the oh, cedar the trees, the redwoods. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of redwoods in this estate. You know, and uh, beautiful things. You know. Yeah, let's go yeah. find some. Yeah. Um, so the next thing about you saying, yeah, when it's gone, it's gone. When I asked for your advice of ninety-eight-year-old Papa to to you eighty-eight-year-old Papa, you said you don't think you'll be alive then. No, I don't uh, think so, no, no. And when you think of death, or is it something you're afraid of? Or is it something you look forward to, I guess? Or? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't look forward to yeah. it. And uh, uh, I think the main reason, I, I, think, I think death is, is fundamentally sad. Yeah. And, um, well, there's two things about it. One is sad, but the second thing, you die because you're, you're very unwell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, that, that's why you die, because you're very sick, you know? Very, so... There's two things about it that are not nice, but I think parting from your friends, yeah, uh, I think that's that's the hard part of that, you know. And now a lot of people just kind of like Jim Fogarty the other night. Mm -hmm. He died in his sleep. Yeah. And when I talked to him the previous night, he was, you know, he was talking about life in positive terms. Yeah. And then other people just their minds go and yeah, yeah. they kind of they're not their awareness. You don't know what their awareness is, but generally it mightn't be too good, you know. So, uh, but anyway, no, I, I, I don't. I don't certainly look forward to it. Yeah. You know? It's the opposite of of when you're born, which is a kind of yeah. a big celebratory thing, you know. And all, all, of course, you've all this tremendous excitement ahead of you. You know, yeah. you're looking down there. And but not, I suppose yeah. there's a difference of not looking forward to it and and being afraid of it, or or trying to. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, afraid I think isn't isn't quite the word. I mean, yeah, there's a kind of an inevitability that you have to accept. But then, yeah, so you get tired of living too. So yeah, <laughs> some people I think are they're quite happy. I mean, the quality thing. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people. The quality of their lives yeah. at the end can be can be atrocious, you know. Yeah. And uh, they're better off out of it in every sense, you know. Yeah. So that's the. And it's a, anyway, it's a morbid topic. It is. Well, we have a few more questions on that, so yeah. it'll keep you nice and cheery. But um, so, what would your advice be for someone who's dealing with loss? So, like, you're at an age and. Yeah, I, I, as you were telling me before the podcast, this week two of your close friends passed away. Um, mm. What would your advice be to people who are who are dealing with loss or have lost a friend? or? A well, or it's very hard to give advice because you're in the middle of it yourself, you know, yeah. or I'm in the middle of it in many ways. And uh, I, I think uh, it's hard to know. 
I, th I think, you, sorry, we're, we're swinging around here. Are you sure you don't want to see more? Or? Well, you can walk around the pool here, yeah. 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 But uh, I, I don't think I, I could really give it advice in that sense. I think you just have to deal with it as it comes, and it hits everybody differently, you know? Yeah. And um, I, th I think, uh, to some extent, to protect yourself, you, ha you have to kind of have some preoccupation, something yeah. that kind of keeps your own life focused. You can't, I don't think the idea of looking back and, and just thinking back all the time is good. I think you still have to try and think forward and yeah. ahead and try and say, well, this is a new life that I have to, I have to kind of uh, work out now how to live it, you know? Mm. And, uh, but uh, easier said than done. Some people are much more uh, badly hit by, by the emotional loss, you know? Yeah. Some people are desperately hit by that and they can never get over it. And there's other people that uh, they can just move on, you know? So. Mm. It, it depends on yourself. I don't think there's any general advice you can give people, you know. But um, it's... I, th I think keeping yourself preoccupied is important to stop yeah. yourself going into maybe depression, you know. Yeah. yeah. What are we doing? Are we walking Which, around the pond? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your episodes, are you dictate where you want to go? Uh, no, we just, we'll just walk not. around in the circle here, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Then, so if you were to die tonight, what would you have regretted not telling someone? So everyone gets asked that question as well. Um, yeah, so what would you have regretted not ah. telling someone? Not to what? So if you were to die tonight, yeah, yeah, yeah. what would you have regretted not telling someone? Oh, not telling someone? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'd say you might regret telling people uh, that you didn't like them when you yeah. should have told them, you know? Yeah. Things like that and holding back a bit and... and uh, you might have some regrets in that sense, and um, you, might, you might regret kind of harsh things you said to people at some reason for, yeah. you know, looking back at it now, that sort of stuff. You'd have some regrets, you know, mm. and, um, but um, not telling somebody, well, that's, you know, I can't, I can't kind of just... Uh, Particularize that one in the in the sense that yeah. something immediately comes to mind, you know, and uh, yeah. So anyway, and our last question on death for today: mm. um, What would you like to happen after you pass away, and how slash what would you like to be remembered for? Well, how do you mean? What would I like to happen after I pass away? Yeah, uh, happened to me or happened to? Everybody else. <laughs> in the world, I guess, everyone else. Well... And how would you like to be remembered for or what or...? Yeah, well, my, my, my kind of general philosophy of life or attitude of life is, is that, my, you know, my view that the main purpose of your life is to try and leave the world in a better place than when you came into it, you know? Yeah. That you leave it in a better place rather than a worse place, you know? And uh, I think that kind of determines then how you feel about your life and what you might say to other people. But that, that's my kind of philosophy of your life, yeah. uh, that you're here. And I kind of look back, if you look back, right back in evolutionary terms, back to the cavemen, you know, I have a great admiration for those people. 
the yeah. way they evolved and the way they developed society and the way they brought humanity forward progressively. There was other people putting it back, but there's not a lot of people improving and bringing it forward. Yeah. And I'd like to think that it was on that side of the equation, and I'd like to think that anybody I knew was on that side too, as opposed to people that are just taking things out of life, yeah. you know, and depleting it rather than adding to it, you know. So, I don't know, does that address the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then, um, so, you have lived now for 32,359 yeah. days. Oh, yeah, well, you worked that out. Yeah. You must have had a calculator. Yeah? Or possibly 32,360 days, but one or the other. Mm. Which one of those days stands out to you as your favorite? Or which of those days stand out to you in particular? Ah, there's, there's no one. There's no one day that stands out as a favourite, and um, there could be days where I had some maybe sporting achievement. Yeah. Or there might be, uh, say, an example of it now, a good example of it would be uh, one of the days when the uh, Dublin football team won in All Ireland, you know? Yeah, that was and on your. Well, that, that happened was 10 a few. Years ago, no? Happened a few times, you know. Birthday. Happened a few times. Well, more so in Kevin Heffernan's time, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that that has been an example of a good day, and yeah. then there be kind of personal stuff, maybe where some of the family achieves something, or maybe you know when when I qualified or stuff like that. There's a kind of lot of a lot of, a lot of days to stand out. But I don't think there's any day in in your life. There's no day that I would say I say that was that was the most important, most enjoyable day yeah. of my life, you know. And uh, there's been a variety of them, you know. And uh, yeah. And what would you say is your biggest regret? This, this might be our last uh, tour around. This oh, so yeah, we don't have many questions wall. left, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah. What is your biggest regret? My biggest regret? Yeah. Well, I don't kind of subscribe to that so much. My view is you kind of did what you could or you did it at the time. And yeah. There's not much point in having regrets about it. Um, I think sometimes I treated some people badly. Mm. And I probably, I probably kind of regret that a lot, you know. And yeah. And, uh, you know, there's maybe there's some aspects to my career that I might have taken a wrong turn once or twice. Mm. I always felt that if I went into business as distinct from kind of professional work that uh, I might have been successful because, I have, you know, a particular qualities of creativity and yeah. I have kind of a business instinct. Mm. Now, it wouldn't be that brilliant, but... A development, but uh, some might have slight regrets about things like that, you know. But, yeah. But uh, and I regret that uh, I had a, I had a regret about sport too. Mm. I felt that I had more potential, particularly in athletics, and uh, I didn't realise it for a combination of reasons. So th th that'd be a regret, you know, and uh, so on, you know. So, mm. but. Uh, you know, 
I'd say that I'd have a regret that I didn't treat Anne as nicely and as well as I should have. Yeah. And I told her that, you know, at the time when she was beginning to die, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that that'd be a regret and uh, so on. So, but uh, you can't <laughs> you can't spend your life regretting things, you know. That's true. Yeah. You have to keep your own ego up a bit by thinking that the positive things you did too. I mean, you have to believe in yourself and have have enough confidence to live properly and to yeah. do good things. You have, you know, you have to believe that you're capable of doing it, rather than thinking that you're a messer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit of that going on. And what would you say has has brought you a lot of joy in your life? I think uh, friends and uh, friends would certainly be a big factor in it. Mm -hmm. Friends and family, but friends, uh, broadly speaking, and uh, I think the other thing has brought me a lot of joy is sport. Yeah. Various aspects of sport, you know, but friendship and uh, and sports, and uh, certainly, I mean, my kind of professional ach achievements or you know my kind of career success that would have brought me satisfaction rather than joy, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a slight difference, you know. Uh, Are we doing another loop or what? Are we yeah, doing? we'll do one final loop before I die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. And okay, so if you could have lunch with three people, living or dead, who would it be and why? No, I, I can't. I can't answer that now. Yeah. I think that uh, I'd have to. I'd have to go away and think. Think a good bit about that, you know. Yeah. And uh, but. Um, I'd say somebody, you know, somebody like Michael Collins. Yeah. You know, somebody like that may be possible, you know, just to get, an, to get kind of an insight and uh, or maybe Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, <laughs> yeah. But I don't think you get much out of a lunch with people like that, yeah. you know. But um, So it's a hard one to call, you know. And... Um, James Joyce, you know, you could you could name yeah. a lot of people, but but you'd be assuming that they talk to you, but they probably wouldn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, so you might as well go for somebody like Elizabeth Taylor or somebody, yeah. and uh, or Edith Piaf, and and enjoy kind of just admiring them, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. What would be your greatest worry for your grandchildren? What would your greatest worry for your grandchildren be? Well, uh, you say you can see the future, you have a good uh, instinct for it. What do you think we should be looking out for? Or what do you well, worry about? Well, I, I, I think, you know, the, I think the, the environmental aspects of the world and, uh, you know, the deprivation that's going on environmentally and the damage to the species and the way natural resources are being yeah. depleted and uh, then the, the climate change is part and parcel of that. So, you know, my my concern would be that life would, would could become almost intolerable, and that you could have now a huge amount of social disruption, you know. Yeah. And um, so, but I, I'm I'm more optimistic than that, you know. I'm a great believer that uh, humanity and people have a great capacity to adapt, yeah, and to evolve and to take on challenges and and to win them, you know. So. I'd, I'd be quite optimistic, even though the outlook at the moment, you could say, 
for about ten, you know pandemics and and political wars and economic disasters and migration and all that. There's a, the whole world is full of huge negatives, you know. Yeah. But uh, at the same, even alone for that, I have a view that humanity will will overcome those things and and solve them, you know. So mm. I'm a great believer in in the capacity of people to to move on and get things done, you know. Yeah. And I think I think uh, Homo sapiens is, a, is remarkable in that sense, you know. Yeah. So I would be optimistic on balance, you know, even though there's all, all sorts of concerns there. Yeah. You know? yeah. So we got two more questions now, mm -hmm. and then we're done. And then you can ask me questions. Yeah. And so of course, I always, I think the younger generation have considerably more ability than, than we realize, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what we've done on the podcast is every guest asks, asks a question for the next guest. Um, so when we're done with this podcast, you're going to ask, you're going to tell me a question for whoever is on next. Um, but the last person I had on was Alana. So we played some Minecraft, a video game together and, and did the podcast. And her question for the next guest, which is you, is what is your earliest memory? Um, uh, it was that uh, directed directly at me. Yeah, well, sh yeah. Yeah, well, my, my, my earliest memory is uh, sitting in a, car in a garden up in Beaumont when I was aged about four. Yeah. And um, uh, being highly amused by my young brother, Neil, who was yeah. only about six months old at the time. And I kind of, that was my first thing that I, I recollect very clearly, consciously, yeah. consciously, you know. And so that, 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 that in a sense, might be... Might be one of the earliest memories, you know, and yeah. uh, so on. But because um, I couldn't go back much further than that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was probably about uh, three or four at the time, you know. Yeah. And it was kind of the awareness of consciousness, I think, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I remember saying to my sister, who was about two, that that uh, I'll remember this when I grow up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Which at that age was was. Uh, Unusual. It was 85 yeah. years ago. Yeah, it's a good while ago, yeah. And here yeah, we are well, talking about it. Yeah, but that's, that's probably about my earliest memory that I, yeah. can, I can visualize, you know. Yeah. Um, would you say your life's turned out the way you would have thought or you could never have predicted it? I had no idea how it was going to turn out. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hadn't a clue. And uh, I always felt that... It, it, if you go think about where you might be in 10 years' time, yeah. you were doing well. But the idea of thinking of where you'd be in 40 or 50 years, any time I did that, I found it disturbing, you know. There was any bit of technology that you thought, like, I mean, now we have phones that can, you can do anything on them. I, th I thought the biggest, uh, socially, I, think, I thought in Ireland particularly, the biggest thing that happened in Ireland was, was when television came in. Yeah. I thought that transformed the whole society, you know. Yeah. And I, th I thought we went at that stage from being a very insular, inward-looking, kind of a dark island yeah. and where people were very unaware of the world. I always say it was like somebody pulled up the blinds yeah. and all of a sudden you could see the outside world, you know. And that was about the time we got married, by the way. Yeah. And, but I, I, thought, I thought that was a huge 
a huge transformation for society, you, you know. The future has arrived on TV. Yeah. yeah, not only that, but the, but the kind of whole old regime yeah. and the influence and the dominance of the old regime kind of got wiped out fairly quickly, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, so... And that, that was really down to technology at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and our last question for today. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll just look at the Golden Gate here. Yeah, the Golden yeah. Gate. We're going through the Golden Gate in a minute, <laughs> whatever that means. So, <laughs> what is your best piece of life advice? Uh, well, uh, I don't, I don't want to be giving people advice, broadly speaking, but I think stay positive and and, uh, and uh, you know stay pr principled. And try to make life better, yeah. you know, for other people, and just don't be looking at it in terms of what you can get out of it. Yeah. As Kennedy said, it's what you can put into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that that'll be my generally my advice, you know. And um, I suppose the other, uh, I wouldn't be a very good model, but I'd say, uh, you know, maintain some kind of a sense of humour about life <laughs> too, you know. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much for being a guest. Yeah, is that all the hardship I have to go through? Yeah, <laughs> that's it, a long yeah. car ride. Right, okay. Anyway, I hope okay. it's some help to you. No, it has been. So now... Yeah. I know, I, I like your idea of uh, archiving stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's important. And keeping a picture, you know. I found my thrill On Blueberry Hill On Blueberry Hill when I found you, the moon stood still on Blueberry Hill and lingered until my dreams came true. Papa passed away later that year in November. I have my suspicions that he knew it was going to happen and perhaps even chose to leave on his own terms. At the end of our walk through the gardens, he mentions that he is walking through the golden gates, whatever that might mean, he chuckled. You can see through his answers what kind of person Papa was, through some of his favorite movies like On the Waterfront, his spirit animal, a horse, or through some of his uh, idols or the people he looked up to, people who sacrificed a large part of their lives to make the world a better place. And I think the word that comes across the most is principled, and he was that, he was fiercely principled, and some would argue probably to the point of stubbornness, but I think that's exactly what you need to be in life sometimes. Because life is hard, and at some point you're going to have to choose between the easy way and the right way. And I think Papa has passed on that wisdom. And I still miss him a lot, and I set up this whole podcast actually for him, or because of him, to capture some of his stories. So I'm really happy and really glad that... Uh, I had the chance to do this episode with him. So, Papa, all I can say is thank you. 
thank you for holding my ice cream back in the zoo all those years ago when it was melting and then probably buy me another one right after. But Papa, thank you very much for all your wisdom and guidance and your principles and rest in peace. On Blueberry Hill, Papa did that do.